Hello, welcome back to another edition of the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast. I am your host, as always, the Mouth of Michigan, Robin Dyker. With me, as always, my co-host, the Merck Zone, Mike Merkel. Made it. He's here remotely, and today we have a super-duper special guest. Uh, he's, you know, the Bulgarian brute himself, a.k.a. Nikola Jokic Jr., a.k.a. Bigfoot, a.k.a. Pound Cake. That's right. We've got big... Big Josh, he's finally made it. We've referenced him so many times on the show. Josh, what's going on, buddy? How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Very, very excited. You may be seeing him pretty soon on the feature film. What, Mike, what's your uh, what's the Bigfoot movie called? Oh, Gone Squashing. Gone Squashing. I love it. I dig it. Um, be on the lookout for that. Uh, coming to a YouTube near you. Um, yeah, Josh is playing the lead as the Bigfoot. As the Bigfoot, right? So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, Mike is obviously, if you guys can't tell, is on location today. He is shooting uh, that feature, that feature film. So be on the lookout for that stuff. Obviously, we'll probably promote it heavily um, as we kind of go through, as it goes through post production, all that good stuff. Looking forward to watching that. So we'll be sure to include any and all links to that uh, that great production. Um, as we go before we get going too far though you guys i do want to say thank you to our newest sponsor righteous felon craft jerky use our code always right all one word for 20 percent off through father's day weekend so make sure guys when you guys hear this it'll be right at the tail end of that make sure you guys are using our code always right for 20 percent off all your righteous felon craft jerky needs at righteous felon.com uh, all right, Mike, let's jump in. We got a ton of stuff to go over this week, right? We got NBA finals. We got the NBA draft, which is crazy how close that they are, uh, you know, in comparison to one another. We got Forbidden Door. We've got a bunch of stuff to go into, Mike, but let's start with kind of the most, you know, the farthest away thing, right? NBA finals happened. We talked last week when Denver was up 3 1. Um, they closed it out in game five. Uh, Josh, you get your championship ring. Congratulations, buddy, on the finals MVP. Um, but, Mike, talk to me a little bit, right? Were you shocked that it ended in five first off? And then follow up with that is the thought of, okay, where is Jokic now? Now that he's done it, now there's no more hypotheticals, right? Is he the best? Is he still behind Giannis? What does he have to do to make Mike Merkel a fan? Um, is it ever going to happen? Or is Mike just, you know, you know, not a fan. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I am. Uh, I wasn't shocked that it ended in five. I know I picked yeah. Heat in six. Mm-hmm. I made my argument for Heat in six. Yeah. Um, obviously, did not come to fruition. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, obviously, because I am sitting with the Finals MVP over here right now. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it was a, a hard fought series. A lot of the games were competitive. Actually, none of the games were really competitive outside of the last one. Yeah, not uh, really. They were- not really. <laughs> I was, was going to say they're all competitive. They're really not. Game five was fun. <laughs> Game away. Um, but no, I think uh, I think uh, the Heat did everything they could. I think they were just kind of un- undermatched and undersized in this one. Yeah. I think it was yeah. kind of like you mentioned. Like, they just kind of felt like it was like their year to just kind of go on the run and do it. Um, I always talk about how similar their path and Giannis's path was where, you know, you play like one really, really good team through the playoffs. Everyone thinks it's like, like, you know, the Giannis had the, the KD Brooklyn Nets team, you know, this team had, you know, the, the Lakers, whoever was like, Oh, that's the team that could be the upset. Right. And once they got past them, it was kind of like, so there's not really another team out there. It's right. You know, Giannis had the Hawks and then Phoenix, you know, Nuggets had the heat and then, you know, Timberwolves and whatever before that. 
So um, I, I'm on the boat of I think Giannis is still the best player in the world only because I like the uh, the two-way game that Giannis brings. I think, right. you know, Giannis from a defensive perspective is still probably the best defender yeah. uh, on planet Earth. Along with, I mean, even though he lost in five, he had that game four of a 38 and 20. Yeah. Even though Jim Butler decided to put 56, you know, <laughs> it, it, we just lost a bat for bat on that one. But yeah. he can, he still has the ability to put up the offensive numbers along yeah. with playing absolute great defense. And mm-hmm. I still think Jokic's Raptor rating on defense is still not the third best in NBA history. So <laughs> uh, I would say Jokic is too. But I think it's a clear, like, one-two yeah. divide. Right. Pretty, pretty large gap to number three. Yeah. I think they're the two best and it's not really that close. So, Josh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to direct this question to you, buddy, right? Uh, you've obviously been on the Jokic train from the get-go, right? Obviously, you're clearly um, distant, distant cousins. But um, at the same time, right, I know you are a fan. I know you're a Nuggets fan as well. Talk to me a little bit about just kind of a vindication on your end, right? We've had some struggles where, you know, they get to the Western Conference Finals. They lose there last couple of years because Jamal Murray has been out. You've had some playoff, basically just, you know, kind of blunders, I guess, right? You didn't get through where you thought you would. Now, finally, you got multiple MVPs to Jokic's name. They get it done in the finals. Talk to me a little bit about that, about, you know, and do you think that Denver has enough to kind of make them the new dynasty, the new warriors, the new Miami heat, you know, where they're there three, four, five years or close to, or should be considered to be one of the top two teams in the NBA. Yeah. So first off, shout out MB for getting bounced in the second round. Once again, yeah. great job. My guy. Love that. <laughs> but, um, but right. Yeah. It was awesome seeing Jokic, and the Nuggets just come yeah. out and dominate this playoffs where really the only series that was really interesting was that Sun series where Devin Booker just put up ungodly numbers with insane efficiency right. to get those couple wins. Right. Um, you really look back like a couple of years before Jamal and had his ACL injury. It really looked like, this was the team that they were going to see. They just made the trade for Aaron Gordon. Yep. Like they, you, they were starting to come on a run. Like right. you saw everything that you saw this year. Like you saw like the beginnings of it that year. And right. you, at that time you're thinking, man, they're going to go on a run. This team is going to be dangerous in the playoffs. Then Jamal gets injured. Jokic yep. is doing it with uh, a, a less than stellar pass. Right. Right. And, it's just unfortunate that happened at the time. But then you come back this year, and they immediately come back and do it. It's it's an awesome feeling, and I think this this Nuggets team has the ability to be a dynasty similar to the Spurs, where right. if you compare the two stars on both of those teams, in Tim Duncan and Jokic, they're just bigs who got their job done. Right? They're it's extremely fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Where Tim Duncan is, in my opinion, the best power forward to ever play the game. Yeah, you're not going to get much pushback on that. Where I think Jokic is probably one of the most talented offensive centers we've seen in the game since Shaq, probably. Yeah, for sure. And it's just, it, it's just crazy seeing the efficiency, the the passing. It's just, it's beautiful basketball. It's like how, it's how the game should be played. Yeah, it's not like the pure threes, right. not like just shoot chuck threes. It's 
like the Warriors can do it, but ever not everyone can do that. <laughs> this is this is like this is the coach's wet dream. Although, let me ask you, Josh. Let me ask you this, buddy. So there's a little bit of criticism, right, uh, of this Nuggets victory, and and I don't necessarily think it's warranted. You know, Mike and I have spent a ton of time talking about how the, um, the seeding, right, maybe is not necessarily indicative of a team's talent, right. Uh, but some people are really kind of giving the Nuggets the business a little bit because they, you know, you beat a an eight seed in the finals, you beat a seven seed in the Western Conference. I think the Suns were a four seed, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, um, yeah. You know, so you look at it and you go, okay, they didn't have to play a quote unquote top seed, right? Milwaukee goes down, yeah. Boston goes down by Miami. Um, you know, uh, I guess you want to throw Memphis in there because they were technically the two seed going into the playoffs. Um, does that do anything for you in terms of looking at this championship run? Um, because they quote unquote didn't beat a you know a top two, top three seed uh, at any series in the playoffs. No, I don't. I don't think that argument really. <laughs> no, I'm uh, with you. Plays, no, I disagree. But I, you know, it's something you know, to talk they, about, right? Because you know, it, it, yeah. Because here, here's my thing. I think the biggest question is probably the Bucks, just because Giannis goes down for a couple games and the Heat get out to the big, uh, big three zero lead, and you're just like, well. You're looking at like ah, uh, this was probably the team that mm-hmm. they could have matched up with, but Giannis still comes back in that last game, and he's and the Heat still win that. Right. So like, I think that would that's probably the biggest what if. Yeah. Um, but like, you you look at like who they played, like sure you you got the the Clippers where Kawhi or PG's always injured. One of them's always injured, yeah. so they're not reliable. So the Suns come out of that, and you. Going into the playoffs, you're going like, yeah, Suns are the, probably the favorites. They got Devin Booker, CP3, KD. They're gonna go on a run, and that's the that's the team that gave them the hardest pushback. Like I said a little bit earlier, right? Um, and even then, like it took un- like an ungodly performance from right. Devin Booker to even take a couple games, right? Then you go on to them playing the Lakers, Lakers had a they they have LeBron at 80 80 when he's healthy is great yep. as I don't think like if if you're asking me if I want 80 on my team I would take 80 more often than not you know he's a great player when healthy and right. that's always like the big concern with him yeah now, the, uh, it's just you gotta uh, just look at like they went through the, the Memphis Grizzlies just they were helping. They were <laughs> outside of Jod. Ja. Ja, who knows with Jod ja at this point? Right. That that well, that draft class well, crazy. Yeah. And Mike brought up the point too, right? Where, you know, and we talked about this going into the playoffs, and we were talking about the Lakers specifically. It's well, okay, what's their ceiling? And Mike's like, I think a Western Conference final run is very realistic. And to and to Mike's credit, right? He was like, Look, they got to go through Memphis, right? You're like, okay, is that really that big of a hurdle? Right. You know, and then I, I don't even who they play in the second series. Uh, the Warriors. Warriors. Right. They play the Warriors. And right. They go against like, the defending champs. Yeah, exactly. And, and you go, OK, but, you know, the Warriors, they don't have a big they don't have anybody over six two. Yes. it seems like on that basketball team. Right. So Mike was very, you know, tra- he's like, look, this is how it's going to go. Right. They could easily mm-hmm. see a Denver in the Western Conference finals. And that's yep. where we really decide to see in into to the Lakers credit, right? All four of those games, I'm going to say minus game oh, were, one, were close, winnable yep, games. All those games were close games, but it it never looked like it was out of Denver's control. You yeah. Know? And, it was, every it, time. No, it very much felt like they were the team of destiny, right? It very much oh, felt yeah. like 
you know, we talked about this on the show the last several weeks where I was like, it just feels like for whatever reason, and we see this all the time in sports, Denver was like, this is the year for what, no matter what, right. Yep. We're, we're ready to beat the Lakers. We're ready to overcome the yep. LeBron James factor. And exactly. as long as we clear that we're golden. Right. And that's kind of what it felt like to me. Yeah. yeah. And, and to, to, to add to that and kind of back up my stance yeah. on the whole Jokic thing is I have the same feeling when like in football, when the chiefs, like, and I'm just using Chiefs because they have the most yeah. recent example of it. Right. Is like we talked about the the playoffs last year, where it's really unfortunate again what happened to Demar Hamlin. Yeah. But if Buffalo and Cincinnati played that game and Buffalo won, mm-hmm. the Chiefs road to the playoffs or road to the Super Bowl would have been Miami, Cincinnati, in Buffalo right. to get to the well, to play right. the Eagles. Right. It drastically changes when that game's not played. Now the Chiefs are the one seed. And then you get um, Jacksonville at home, Cincinnati at home. Now you're in the Super Bowl. Like right. those, that's a drastic, you know, change in schedule. Yep. And so I guess my only and an extra for, game, right? <laughs> and it adds an extra game. So someone, yeah. you know, anything can happen that extra game, right? And so the only re- thing I add to the Jokic part is mm-hmm. like I do. I don't think anyone outside of the Lakers was gonna play them well in the West at all. Yeah. Obviously, we talked about it literally every week. Where I was like, it's gonna be Denver out of that side. And it's going to be the Lakers. I just thought the Lakers beat them. Obviously, I was right. wrong on that. But on the Eastern side, I think the thing that we missed there is I just wish that Jokic would have matched up with a healthy Embiid Sixers team or a healthy Giannis Bucks team right. instead of getting you know that you know third or fourth team that you know got there due to a lot of injury help. Right. You know, like it's yeah. it's it's it's, yeah. it's not an asterisk by any means, but it's just one of those like I would feel a lot better about the Jokic thing if it's oh he beat a healthy Giannis in five or six games. Right. Crap. Okay. Because then it also helps me go, okay, Jokic is definitely the best player because he beat Giannis head to head or he beat the MVP head to head. Like yeah. and he outplayed both of them. Like yeah. that would help me over the top. Because Giannis got hurt, it's kinda it's the same thing with yeah. Jamal Murray getting hurt and then using that as a Okay, but Jokic yeah. is so great, but like right. Giannis has, that, you know, if he wasn't hurt, he mm-hmm. might, they probably could get through Miami and then the path would be the same. Yeah. So, see, that's why I said the Bucks are the biggest what if, just because that was the team I think that I had g- coming out of the East originally. Mm-hmm. But like the Sixers and Celtics had no excuse. Like no. Embiid and no. Harden didn't perform in their game in their closeout games. Mm-hmm. This, the Celtics going down. 3-0, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, you, you just can't do that. It, yeah. it, and expect to come back and win. Like, good job getting it back to game seven, but then to come out on your home court and put up a dud of a performance. Right. Jalen Brown gives up eight turnovers. It's yeah. just, that's unexpected. Hey, don't you talk about the future Detroit Piston like that, all right? <laughs> hey, I'll be happy if you come to Detroit. Yeah. No this kidding. Is, yeah, that, that's why I don't add Boston into that equation because Boston had the fairest shot. Of yeah. beating my and just like blew it. So I don't add because Boston's not going to beat this Denver team, obviously, because they can't no. beat Miami. But right. uh, I, I do think a healthy indeed, you know, 
with with that team or healthy Giannis. I think those would be two really interesting series that we unfortunately couldn't get due to injury. So right, yeah, for sure. Uh, let's shift focus a little bit, right? What let you know instead of talking about the defending champs, let's talk about you know the worst team in the league record wise. Your Detroit Pistons. Uh, the NBA draft is right around the corner. There's a lot of talk about what to do with that fifth pick. Monty Williams introduced earlier this week um, as the new and I think 37th Detroit Pistons head coach, I believe is what they said. Um, obviously getting paid a bunch of money. I don't know if you guys watched his presser, but I thought it was hilarious when they were like, well, why did you decide to come here? He goes, well, you know, to restore the team. And he's like, honestly, the money. <laughs> he's like, no one ever talks about it. But for someone to invest that much amount of money into me, is something that, you know, is like, wow, all right, clearly, you know, that they, they have a plan and they, you know, they want to get this thing going. So I thought that was a, a fun little tidbit. But the the uh, NBA draft right around the corner, obviously, Victor Wimbayama is not going to be a Detroit Piston, barring something crazy. Um, but I want to get your guys' take. Uh, I want to, you know, take your temperature on what to do. Thursday night, right? You know, we're hearing the reports that some teams like the Pelicans are thinking about trading Zion Williamson to get a guy. Uh, Portland's in talks to trades for stuff, but apparently no one's in talks to trade for anything all at the same time. Everything's kind of up in the air right now. It's it's fake talk season, right? We saw it with the NFL draft where this guy's going to go here, this guy's going to go here, uh, and we're kind of starting to see it now with the NBA draft. Josh, I want to start with you. What do you want the Pistons to do I'm going to say Thursday night. Do you want them to, to take that fifth pick and, and just get a guy? Would you like to see them trade down and try to accumulate a couple of picks? Do you want to see them trade it all the way for a, a veteran, like a proving commodity guy? I don't know who the hell you're going to get for that fifth pick, but you know, where are you at with this Pistons team with this draft, knowing you're not taking a top three player more than likely. So what do you want to see? Troy Weaver do on the one night a year where he seems to do okay. And then the rest of the season is all hot garbage. So talk to me about if you're Troy Weaver, what are you doing with the fifth pick? Okay. So I, first off, I'm going to rule out trading down. Okay. I never like trading down in the NBA draft just because it is such a crapshoot after like when you get into the lottery, yeah. if you want to take that as high pick as possible. Yep. So trading down for like fifth, from fifth to like later in the lottery, I just I don't I don't think that is something I would want to do. Okay, I'm I would probably lean towards taking that, just taking the pick, because I don't know if we could get a good veteran commodity. Yeah, with just the fifth pick, I think right. you would have to move something. Well, more, let, let me like, let me sweeten the pot get, for you. Let me sweeten the pot for you, right? Let, okay, let's just say fifth pick and. Bogdanovich. Let's just say because that's probably your hottest commodity right now. Yeah. It's probably him, right? Your your biggest veteran presence, the guy that you would be yeah. most like willing to give up, who is actually playing minutes for you. Um, yeah. Fifth pick in Bogdanovich for for whoever you think is reasonable. Right? I'm not going to say you're going to get Bradley Beal yeah. with that, but you know yeah. somebody right that you think could score. Hopefully, for the love of God, somebody who can actually shoot the basketball. <laughs> but I digress. Um, let me just say that that's the combination. You're taking Bogdanovich yeah. and the fifth pick for for Ruben commodity. Like in a dot ideal situation, I would probably do that. Yeah, but I just don't think you would be able to get that done. Like ideally, really, to if you want to get like a proven like second star with Cade or or like with Cade or to pair with Cade or Ivy, you would have to trade one of them with that fifth pick. Right. So that's why I'm kind of leaning towards just taking the pick and then just building around Cade, Ivy, Duran, 
and hoping that we have our core and that they blossom into stars like I hope they will. Right. Uh, right. For sure. Yeah. Is there a specific, and I know I'm going to, I'm kind of putting your feet to the fire here. Is there a prospect mm-hmm. in the, like, I feel like last year and correct me if I'm wrong, but it felt like to me, if Jade and Ivy fell to five, we were all pretty ecstatic about that pick. Right. Yes. Like everyone's mm-hmm. like, okay, best case scenario. He felt, he falls to you. You need a shooting guard, right? He's, he's explosive. He can run the second offense when Cade's on the bench, all that good stuff. Yep. Um, With that being said, same position here. Is there a prospect where you feel like if that guy, if X player falls to you at five, you're going to go, okay, we made the best out of a bad situation falling from potentially a top two, three pick to the fifth pick. Well, last year I felt uh, I, we got my two favorite prospects for where we were yeah. in, in Ivy and Durant. I loved both of them going into the draft. And those are like, I really wanted Ivy and then us being able to trade up to get Durant was just made me ecstatic. Right. But this year, I don't feel like there's someone that will drop necessarily that will make me go, wow, this was a great consolation prize. I think like everyone from like the four to like eight range is kind of in the same tier of like, okay, these can be a good piece, but I'm not like ecstatic that we got them. Like right. I would say, you're looking at like someone like a Cam Whitmore out of Villanova and our uh our Sarah Thompson out of um the overtime elite program yep. or um a Taylor Hendricks out of like Arkansas I think it right. I think is where um Cam Whitmore's uh very athletic um lacks a little bit on the basketball IQ but like it's just got the raw stuff mm-hmm. that you want to see out mm-hmm. of a wing player right and you just it, it he jumps out of the gym. It's just my idea is like you're not putting him in a playmaking role with Ivy and Kate here, so that just fits where he can focus on attacking and shooting and improving those two places. Right. Um, our Sar, uh, Sar Thompson and Amen Thompson, both prospects coming out of overtime elite, uh, like a side thing, kind of like Geely, but with lesser competition, even more. Mm-hmm. Same thing with them, uber athletic. But I just don't know how to grade that league just because right. of right brand new. These are like the first two coming out of it. They're not facing really good com- competition. They put up great numbers, but the efficiency is not really there. Yeah. So I know I'm a little less shaky. I'll be fine if you take a SAR. I you I you talk me into it, but it's not my favorite pick. Amen. Don't even touch his <laughs> his shooting form is broken. I don't yeah. want anything to do with him. Right. Um. And then Taylor Hendricks, like, just a three and D player. I I think he's young, so like he's got room to grow, mm-hmm. but like it's the typical three and D that you look for everywhere. So I would want one of those three picks. Okay, or one of those. Um, I listen. I I dig the in depth analysis on that. I think you're bringing up some names that a lot of Pistons fans have questions about. So I'm digging it, Mike. I'm gonna turn it over to you, buddy. What are you doing? Okay, you're Troy Weaver, right? You're you're excited to be at the podium, even though Troy Weaver always looks just annoyed every time he talks to the media. Um, what are you doing at at that time when you're on the clock? Are you trying to trade down, maybe get you know a couple picks in the first fifteen to maybe hope to scoop up a couple of these guys that are in that mid range? Are you looking to package it with a player or two to go get a star, quote unquote, um, or at least somebody who's better than you know 
Corey Joseph, for the love of God? Um, or are you taking that fifth pick? And if so, is there a guy that you kind of have your heart set on that you're like, man, listen, we're not getting Victor, but maybe we can get this guy? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, everything I was going to see Josh said already. You know, I, <laughs> <laughs> I took all my analysis on. It's usually my thing. That's okay. Um, nah. <laughs> uh, no, so I, my plan would be uh, I would love to do a, a, a trade. Uh, that's not, the problem is I want to do a trade that doesn't involve, like, any of our key assets. I just want to trade five for like an average level guy only right. to the fact that I want to trade Boyan at the trade deadline, hoping that he plays really well early and mm-hmm. you can get a decent amount back for him. Right. And you, know, you kind of grow from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm on, I'm on camp trade number five personally. Yeah. Um, uh, I would be cool actually trading down. And uh, if you could get a, an extra pick or two, trying yeah. to you know, take some more shots at the dartboard, because like Josh said, you know, you're looking at, you know, four through eight, and then probably like nine through like sixteen are yeah. all kind of the same verse of guys, just in different orders depending on where you see it. Right. So if you can pull two picks in that area or something, and you take two shots at the dartboard, maybe one of them hits rather than taking your shot at one. Is that one average guy? You get two slightly below average guys that have the potential to be higher. Right, right, so, for sure. Yeah, it's say, oh, you know, give, me, give me the trade down. Let me go against Joshua. I'm taking the trade down. <laughs> Okay. Okay. He's taking the trade down for sure. Listen, I, 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 the problem is, is that in the NBA draft, right? I think you guys make both good points. It's, I, I think that everyone has kind of reserved themselves a little bit to the fact that, look, you're not getting top tier grade A talent out of this pick, right? It's just probably not going to happen, right? You're just not. You're not getting the generational talent. He's going to San Antonio. You're not getting the next guy. You're not even getting the third guy, right? You're you're <laughs> you're you're kind of gonna get the leftovers. So you kind of really have to figure out what the hell to do with this. Do you think that where do you guys think, Josh? I'm gonna point it back to you for this one, but where because where are you from a from a Pistons fan perspective? Where do you think the rest of the fan base is? Do you think that they are willing to take this pick because they're like, all right, it's another guy to add to this young core? Or where or do you think the the majority is saying, hey, try to do something else with it? We already know local sports radio doesn't want them to take the pick. That's fine. Mike Valenti's never ran a basketball team, so I'm not gonna really judge his opinion too hard. No. But from from <laughs> what you hear, from what you're who you're talking to, what is kind of the vibe that you're getting? Is it that people are okay with with them actually taking the pick, or would you rather were the majority of the fan base rather than flip it to do something else? I think I think in the ideal world, the majority of fan base would love to flip it and get a solid player. Yeah, but I think also. There, the like a realistic portion is like we're probably not going to be able to flip this for what we would deem right. worth it, right? Where you're like, and then that leaves you in the position of okay, continue to build it up, continue to just build through the draft, build it the right way. Because if you look at the past, what like I want to say outside of the Lakers, like three or four champions, they've all built it up through the draft, like. The Warriors, they Steph, Clay, Draymond, they're all homegrown. Mm-hmm. The Nuggets, MPJ, Jokic, Jamal Murray, yep. all homegrown. It the Bucks, Giannis, that's you got that out of the draft. Sure, mm-hmm. you trade for Chris Milton, but Chris Milton wasn't Chris Milton when you got him. 
Yeah. Like it, yeah. like these are Tell Stan all Van like, Gundy that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks, Stan. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but like you just, I think you need to build it through the draft now. Like I, I think the age of super teams is kind of like fading away. Like you're gonna get some. You got you got the Sun still. You got the Lakers. They're go- the Lakers are always gonna be able to get people out of free agency. Right. But I think you're seeing a change in like a lot of like the stars in the league mm-hmm. um where they're like yeah i you you grow up and you're sick of the the super teams you i was sick of the heatles i'm like it it sucks watching those teams and like watching them move and you're just you're you want to see like the the stars stay with their team and right and win with that team and you and you see these new champions like you see the bucks win for the first time in like 40 something years right you see the wor- warriors win for the first time in their uh franchise history same with the nuggets like i so i'm at the position of if you can't get something of really good value you're you need to just build it the right way and, and i think we need um, some expectation right of like look if people are like exactly. oh, the fifth pick yeah you're not getting a star in this draft unless like you're hoping they develop into something like that, mm-hmm. but like you're, you're not, you're not going to get a star. So I, I'm going to trust my front office. No, hope they did the right job or did their job and trust who they draft here. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and you look at it, right. And I think sometimes people kind of have the misconception that the fifth pick in the NBA draft is like the fifth pick in the NFL draft. Yeah. <laughs> They're very different commodities, right? The fifth pick in the NFL draft is a, bona fide stud usually right whereas yeah. in the nba draft after the top two or three maybe four if we're stretching it um you're kind of like well okay cool well i'm really right exactly really looking forward to this guy uh being the seventh man off the bench right so you're kind of you know you're, you're kind of limited in that sense so i think when you're trading for a guy Right. Or you're trading that fifth pick. I yeah. think people have it in their mind. Well, oh, we give away that we are going to give the fifth overall pick in the draft for, you know, name a guy. And you go, yeah, you're not getting a perfect player if someone's willing to trade it for the fifth pick in the draft. Yeah. So I think people need to kind of set their expectations a little bit. Um, let's shift focus. No, probably not. Um, one, I will say one more prospect to look out for. Yeah. If we could trade the lottery. You look at that UConn team that just won the uh the national championship. Mm-hmm. Go watch some Jordan Hawkins. He does everything the right way. He is like the if you could get like back half lottery, that is a great player. Like even if maybe a, as a starter, but like at least as a role player, he is everything. He does everything you want to see on the basketball court. So right. That's a, if you late late round. Like if you get that late lottery, if you could get back there, look for Jordan Hawkins. All right, we heard it here first, guys. Looks sounds like a Troy Weaver guy already. He loves basketball. Everyone's a really good player. Everyone's really good off the court. <laughs> and uh, you know, we're just we just happen to be really excited about the future of the Detroit Pistons. And everyone's like, yeah, you can really sound excited based on your the monotone voice that you have. Um, let's shift focus a little bit, guys. Um you know, we just talked about the NBA finals, the NHL uh, Stanley Cup finals just happened as well. Congratulations to the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, but it kind of brings up this question, right? We're kind of in a lull, you know, NFL is kind of on a hiatus until July for, you know, training camp. We've got no real news on the Lions or anything like that. Hockey's done. Basketball's done. All you have now is the shitty, shitty Tigers. Um 
somehow batting Nick Maton at fifth. I don't know how that works. I've never seen the guy actually get a hit, but that's another day. That's another conversation for another day. So my question for you, Mike, AKA Mr. Two TVs, AKA watches everything, AKA watches, you know, anything and everything just to bet on it. Um, what the heck are you doing now that hockey's over, basketball's over, football's kind of in a lull right now. There's no draft to talk about. There's nothing like, you know, there's nothing exciting happening right now except for baseball. And it's not even important baseball. We're not even like in the home stretch. We're in the middle of June where, you know, you can go on a 12 game losing streak and still make the playoffs somehow. Um, what the heck are we supposed to do, Mike, in this time? Yeah, so as a as a number one priority football fan and number two, uh, you know, other kind of entertainment fan. Yeah. Usually, the summer is kind of a a catch up, like yeah, two and a half months for me. So you know, you kind of obviously it's not only sports every day. You know, I'll 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 tune into the occasional you know whatever TV show I watch or movies or whatever. Yeah. But this is like the big catch up moment of the year for me, where you know if there's a a new season of a show that has 12 episodes that all dropped on one day right. or if there's movies that I'm back up on because, you know, the summer is a very big movie season, you know, just in June, you get Spider-Man Transformers, The Flash, and Indiana Jones, basically all back to back to back to back. Right. Um, Mission Impossible coming like right around the corner from there. Um, it's usually just like a big like catch up and make sure that like I'm up to date on any of the shows I watch all the movies I want to see, I watch. Yep. And it's a time where I can actually like, since we're in, you know, we're in Michigan here, you can actually be outside and it's actually, it's mm-hmm. a nice day where I'm at right now. It's like 80 and sunny right now. So right. you can actually like be outside. So sitting down, watching the lions, you know, not win a game somehow. Hey, crazy. Hey, hey now, Hey now, Hey now, Hey, you're talking to the, uh, that's, that's what I do. Yeah, for sure. Josh, let me, let me ask you the same question, bud, right? Like, what what am I supposed to do? What are the fans out there supposed to do? You know, they don't get, you know, I mean, I know you're still basking in the glory. You're going to order the commemorative DVD to rewatch every single Denver Nugget game, right? From game one to game 82. I get that. <laughs> I understand that. Um, but for the rest of us who don't need to watch every single game back again, what the heck are you doing? What are you watching? What are you, what are you looking forward to for the summer before football season starts up again? Besides getting your butt whooped in fantasy football. Oh, <laughs> oh man. That's rough. They just did not show up in the playoffs. Really. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, no, it's it's a rough time. I yeah. really wish the Tigers were good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so are the Tigers. Usually you, you can turn out and they, they play decent, yeah. I guess. Right. But, uh, but more often than not, it's kind of uh, crap. But no, it's. I, I guess I'm kind of just like, I this is my catch-up season too. Like, same thing, TV shows, movies, anything I've missed recently, try and watch that. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of video games. <laughs> anything I've missed on that side, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll catch up on my gaming. Josh um, is finally cracking open Madden 23. I just heard it right there in the background. <laughs> no, I haven't bought a Madden in, in a while. They need to, EA needs to do better, damn it. Um, no, and then just kind of flipping from... Uh, Okay, I'm waiting for the NBA draft. And then, okay, NBA free agency. Come on. Right, right. Let's go. Yep. Into that all oh, baseball, baseball. Okay, preseason. I'm pumped. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. It's funny how we kind of live our lives based on that, right? It's like, okay, what's yeah. the next moment or next phase in the uh, in the uh, sports calendar, right? That we have to look forward to. Yeah, right? for real. You know, also, so. this, year, this year is the single anomaly where because SummerSlam is coming to Detroit. Yeah, it's a lot of build up to that moment now. Yeah, yeah, yes. really, yeah. Summer sure is a fine show, um, but it's not something I'm like, oh, here we go, we're getting to this show. But now, like you know, August, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm pretty pumped for August to come up, and then it makes time go by real fast too. Yeah, for yeah, for sure. And this is the time too. You know what's always funny is that you know we're going to talk for Button Door here in a second. I feel like right now is the time where like both AEW and WWE should really be like, all right, hey, let's put our best foot forward here because there's nothing else to watch right now, right? So it's like if you're a sports fan like us and you also enjoy watching professional wrestling, it's kind of like, hey, maybe now's the time to, you know, yeah, exactly, because everybody's going to be watching. So if you want to try some shit, now's the time. Um, yeah, this is my catch-up category where if you, if you miss the last couple of dynamites of the year or something, like, this is where you can catch up, know what's going on, and kind of ride through the summer months. Right, yeah. exactly. Uh, and then sure. football, uh, it dies off there. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, guys, let's get to it. Let's talk. Let's talk about it. Forbidden Door is right around the corner. We're talking about it. You know, obviously next week is going to be the actual show. So we got to preview it now. Uh, Mike and I, we hit on this a little bit uh, last week or two weeks ago with the announcement of those two big main event matches. But now we're starting to get a little more clarity on the entire card. Kind of, sort of, question mark. Um, You know, um, this, this, this show very much feels like a, um, you know, kind of a little bit of a thrown together show, right? I think you're really relying mostly on the uh, dream match scenario rather than, you know, a lot of story going into it, which is understandable knowing that you have Wembley uh, coming up here, uh, you know, the month after that, but still looking forward to it. Still think it's going to be a pretty darn good show, especially if you're a big wrestling person, right? Um, if you're in into the in-ring product, Um Mike, just, you know, quick thoughts on just the show going into it. I mean, obviously, when they named those first two matches, I think that you had already purchased it in your mind. So at that point, you know, yeah. everything after that, just gravy for you. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll be 1,000% saying just Kenny Omega and Osprey as a singular match mm-hmm. would have would have sold me enough to, to, to buy the pay-per-view. Yeah. Um, uh, you literally could have put on, like, 11 really boring I don't care matches and I would sit through all of it to get to that. So uh I think you're adding actually more uh matches that, you know, at least could be interesting on paper. Uh, you know, just add your excellence to my part. Um I think Tony Khan's kinda of sitting there like, man, I didn't have Brian last year. I didn't have Omega last year. I didn't have Punk last year. And now Punk's still not officially announced for something as of Saturday afternoon here, but you know, being able to play around with some of those guys he didn't have last year because of injuries and stuff is really coming to fruition right now. It seems like. Yeah, for sure. No, I think you're absolutely right. I'm interested to kind of see where where Punk lands on that. Next week, we're obviously going to be talking about the debut of Collision. Um, so looking forward to talking about that and Punk's return and all that good stuff. Um, but Mike, let's get into it for for some of these matches and you know give our predictions and all that good stuff. And going to have Josh on too to give his thoughts. So that'll be fun. <laughs> Does you- does Josh know what's going on right now? We'll find well, out. Listen, you can't, do, you can't do any worse than Kyle. So Kyle is just like, yep. I also, like that's, that. that name sounds good. So we'll pick that one. At least, <laughs> at least Josh gets in-depth analysis maybe for this one. Yeah. Uh, first match we got here. So we have five total. Um, 
we'll get through these three that we haven't talked about, and then we'll talk about any that might happen. Yep. And then we get. Um, so the first one here we got is Orange Cassidy defending the international championship against. Um, wow, I just I just completely just blanked on it. That's great. Zach Zabry Jr. There you that's go. That's what it was. Yeah. I just, I just like I didn't have that's the only match that's not listed on my card here. They right. Just completely. Zach Zabry Jr. Orange Cassidy for the international championship. First yeah. match on the uh, international. Yeah, international title. Orange Cassidy, Zach Saber Jr., who happens to be the New Japan World Television Champion as well. So a good little fun fact, right? Champion versus champion here. Um. I dig it. I think it's really cool. I think this is a great mesh of, of styles, right? Um, Zack Sabre Jr. We, we always talk about on this show where it's like you, you see Zack Sabre on a card and you're like, okay, it's going to be a different style match. And then you walk away from it. You go, wow, that was a lot more. I had a lot more fun watching that than I anticipated, right? Like him and Jonathan Gresham, that kind of, that kind of like Greco chain wrestling style, um, which is a lot of fun. I, I dig the, I dig the match. I think this match is either going to be really good or it's going to be really bad. I don't really know if there's any kind of midway here because of the styles are so different um, in orange Cassidy's character and all that good stuff. But I am, I'm extremely fascinated. This is a match I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, uh, I I would I would tend to lean Orange Cassidy on a retain here, but yeah. with all the with all the title matches that seem to be like probable retains, if you want to do that big title switch, I'm not. I wouldn't be shocked at all if Zack Saber is holding both, and it goes into the G1 with the international championship. Yeah, and honestly, I don't know if that would be the worst idea in the world either, right? To have the AEW champion, quote unquote, right in the G1, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, you got, I know you have Eddie Kingston in the G1 for whatever that's worth, but I think it would be, you know, at least something interesting, right? Where then maybe you can spin that off into something where you have another feud for the international title, you know, outside of the G1 going into maybe even Wrestle Kingdom, right? There's a lot of, you know, a lot of thoughts there as well. Um, I anticipate Orange is going to retain here. I still think they're going to try to do the whole Swerve Strickland thing, but, you know, who knows? Josh, who do you got in this match? I would probably lean Orange too, just because. It's it's always tough with these type of situations where it's two different companies. Yeah, and you're throwing your a title on someone else. But the one thing that would that I could see going uh, Zack Saber Junior.'s way is Orange Cassidy's had this belt for a bit now. This is yeah. what going to be his twenty fourth, twenty fifth like defense, defense here. So this storyline is is coming to an end sooner rather than later. And if there's any belt I could see going over to New Japan just for a little bit, I could see it this one because just like last year where you're like, oh, it's tag, it's tied or tag titles versus tag titles. Right. Who's gonna win this one? And they give it to what FTR for a little bit. Yep. It, I it if there's anyone out of the stuff that's been announced so far where I could see a title switching hands and going over to a different company, I think it could be this one. Though yeah. I'm in agreement, I think uh, Orange Cassidy comes up with the victory retains and i think we continue on to swerve eventually winning it yeah yeah i do think the is the idea of you know he's the joint manipulation submission guy and orange you know every week adds another tape layer to his body so whether it's like his shoulder his arm his hand his leg whatever it is he's adding more and more to that and so um you know i think zag zebra a main storyline in here is going to be okay you got your your knee taped up. I'm gonna put you in every knee bar known to man, or your arms. You know, I'm gonna put you in every arm bar I can think of, mm-hmm. and it's gonna be Orange Cassidy trying to fight his way out. But yeah, 
I do agree. I think Orange is going to win, but yeah, should be a lot of fun for sure. Going to be. A good, I think that's a great opener if they decide to go that route. Absolutely. Yeah. Get the crowd going with Orange music. It's usually a pretty good way to go. Yeah. And next up here we have uh, we'll go to the Japan side. So we got the IWGP Heavyweight Champion Sonata defending its title. Open challenged return to Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy taking that uh open challenge to heart because he wants singles gold this year, baby. That's what he wants. Jungle Boy, <laughs> Sonata, IWGP Heavyweight Championship. I think this is like the easiest layup of all predictions history, in my opinion, but I think Sonata wins. Oh, 100%. There's, there is not a chance Jungle Boy is winning this. Yeah. Um, no, this is terrible. Go ahead, Josh. I'll let you, I'll let you finish. Yeah. Jungle Boy is a fine wrestler. I think he needs to work on his character. And I'm looking forward to maybe Josh, he's the jungle boy. That's the character. Well, he needs to work on it some more. It is. <laughs> um, no, but like I'm looking forward to this. It looks like he's they're teasing a heel turn eventually here. I'm looking forward to maybe that spicing up the character a bit and mm-hmm. maybe adding another layer to Jungle Boy than mm-hmm. just oh, I'm baby face and I don't talk the best. But I can wrestle. Um, but yeah, there is no way Jungle Boy's winning it. They could it'll still probably be a good match, but it, yeah. Could you, could, could you guys imagine a G1? Hold on. What is that, no. Mike? You're a little far from the mic. What did you say? Oh, sorry. Um, could, you, could you imagine a uh, a G1 without the IWGP heavyweight champion? Because I could. That'd be crazy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I think it'd be a lot, I think it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, this this match, I was, I was actually excited when Sonata came out and was like, hey, I'm going to – do an open challenge, right? I went, okay, fair enough, right? You don't really have like a built-in feud anywhere, right? It's not like evils over here now or anything crazy where you could like kind of like use like previous historical knowledge. But then for them just to follow up and go, oh, it's Jungle Boy now, where you go, all right, cool. That's a that's a fun one, right? Like last year we had a fatal four-way for the IWGP title that included Okada, Adam Cole, Jay White, and Hangman Adam Page. This year, for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, we get Sonata versus Jungle Boy. All right. Yep. All right. Cool, cool, cool. As long as nobody has a year-long concussion from this match, I'm going to say we're, we're going to be okay. So Sonata retains in the easiest defense of his life outside of him maybe defending against Toro Yanni at some point. Yeah. Now, let's be clear. Banger of a match. Yeah, I think it should be I'm fine. Sure yeah. I'm sure it'll be a fine match, but there's, but there's no way. I feel like that's going to be the consensus for a lot of these. Is it should be a great match, just no real like progression on any real story for most of these. And so on the flip side, we'll head to the other company's world title where we get MGS defending against Hiroshi Tanahashi. Yeah. They picked the ace of New Japan to go over to challenge MGF, and MGF said, All right, I'll beat you too. Sounds good. So MGF wins. Well, actually, he said, and then was like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. And I was like, Okay, Thank cool. You basically yeah um you know sure you know once again i they at least try where it's like you know i i was close to winning it last year right because the whole vacation and all that good stuff to be the interim champion against moxley um yeah clearly they're like who wants to take the fall here Uh, very Mm -hmm. much it felt like gato and tony Khan went into a meeting and they went all right we gotta have both world titles on this show okay who are you willing to let lose on this show Okay, you give me Jungle Boy putting over our world champion. We're going to give you Tanahashi to put over MGF. Okay, 
Fair enough. Cool. That, I, you know what I mean? It's very much feels oh, like a, a handshake. Getting, like, all right. Yeah, getting announced on the same day. Yeah. Like, I've seen event, and it's just like back to back. It was like, okay, so we're just going to set up both world titles are on the line, but neither one are necessarily going to change hands. Sounds good. They're not even um, going to be semi. I don't even like, honestly, you can make the argument right now that neither one of these matches is even going to be semi main. I think the two main event matches have already been announced that we're going to talk about in a second. You, these matches are going to be like fourth. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? So like it's just going to be only, randomly there. I think the only way one of them does a co-main event is if, you know you do the the, the United States booking where you yeah. put like your show in the middle. Like yeah. you have you know you talk about, say like one of the Revolution shows you put like. John Moxley and Hangman right in the middle of the show, or you do like the dog collar match in the middle, then you have your main event match at the end. Like right. sometimes they kind of layer it where they'll put like you might get you know a big match in the middle, a couple you know okay matches, main event match, you know. So yeah, there's a way it wasn't co main, but like there's two matches that should be co main and main here, right? For sure, here. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's crazy that all three of these matches have been made all on the same night. I thought that was pretty funny that we've talked about so far. They were just like, oh, by the way, here you go. Match, match, match. I thought that was pretty funny. Josh, you got this match. Oh, I don't know, man. It'll be tough. (laughs) But it's going to be MJF. There's no way MJF is losing. Um, Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) It'll be fun because... MJF has always like said in his like character interviews that he's like, oh, I hate New Japan, would never watch it. It's stupid. The wrestlers there are stupid. So it'll be fun seeing what they come up with, like going on, continuing with that and him being forced to take on someone from New Japan, the ace of New Japan. Right. Uh, But there's no way he's losing. I will say in this match, there will be one really close fall, though. Oh, like, like. I don't think the Sonata Jungle Boy one, I don't think there's going to be a moment in there that I feel that. I think this one, with how MGF sells and how time, like, I think there's going to be that moment where you go, no way they're really going to do this. And right. they might, I, you think they're going to pull it for some reason, but mm-hmm. realistically, MGF's going to win. It's not that close. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. So before we get to the main two, uh, those are the three other ones that have been announced. Yeah. Obviously, we think Punk is going to be on the show probably somewhere. Um, Rumor has it it was going to be against Kento, but then he was like, hey, I don't want to go against Kento because I hate Kento or something. Yeah, um, him and Kento both aren't seem to be big, big fans of each other for whatever reason. Yeah, so uh, Punk will probably be on the card somewhere, if I had to guess. Um, I would assume there's, I mean, do you have any other, you know, rumor mill stuff on other matches that could yeah, take so place? Yeah. I, think, I think like a Shibata, Daniel Garcia was something that was kind of, you know, yeah. tossed out in the ring right. uh, last week. Right. Yeah, see, I'm I'm a little bit I'm a, I'm a little bit confused, right? And maybe you know we're doing the show on a Saturday, full disclosure, right? So not at our normal time, so we're not. Maybe Collision sheds a little bit more light on that, right? I don't know, um, but it very much feels like to me like I'm figuring out, I'm trying to figure out, okay, where do the tag titles come into this situation, right? Is David Finley like I am? I am flabbergasted that David Finley has not made an appearance on a show on a vignette something to that effect, right? He's the never open weight champion, the new leader of the bullet club. They just added a bunch of new bullet club members. I thought for sure that you would see some sort of movement there from the new Japan side, but you haven't seen it trying to figure out where FTR is going to fall into this whole mess. Um, What about the TNT championship, right? Is Warlow just going to go out there and yell at people and shake the ropes for a while? What's the deal there? I just feel like 
this is the first time we've seen back-to-back AEW pay-per-views within that month span, and it very much feels like they were not prepped for this as much, and I think it's just going to be like day of or the week of or even, you know, this next week, we're just going to hear a bunch of, hey, match, 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 just because we got to get it out there, you know, and we just haven't seen it yet. Does this, this card somehow turn into 12 matches in a week? Is yeah. that how this is going to work? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Right, cool, cool. As long as we're on the same page, there, that's cool. Yep. Uh, all right. Main event two matches here. Uh, we'll go non title to title, even though it yeah. might be flipped into people's minds. Uh, so you got Brian Danielson challenging Kazushiko Okada uh, to a wrestling match at Forbidden Door. Not obviously, no titles are there because the cool title. It's um, going to be for the one third of the never open weight six man tag title. Yeah, one third. Awesome. If Brian wins, he could just <laughs> substitute his way into that in that super team. Um, yeah, uh, Brian and uh, Okada, a crazy dream match that really I don't think anyone really was like, ah, oh, this could never happen unless it happened in like a G one setting or something. Uh, we get on a pay per view. So, what are the thoughts here? Who are we thinking? Who are we thinking? Josh, I'll let you start off with this one, bud. I am definitely leaning towards Okada. I think if I think it helped. Like I know Danielson is a star. AEW probably does not want to. Well, Brian hasn't won a big match since he signed the dotted the line in AEW. So. Exactly. It, well, I, I it's just like it's the situation situation of yeah yeah Danielson's on his way. Probably closer to his way out than he's than him yeah. being around mm-hmm. for forever. So I think it's just like we're it'll be a dream match. It's gonna be awesome, but I think in the end Okada's gonna win this one in yeah. an awesome fashion. Yeah, Mike, what do you got on this one, buddy? Um, got stuff falling over here. My goodness. Yeah, I think I think I'm actually gonna go upset. I think I'm gonna take Brian in this one. I think BCC is kind of grinding their way out, and I don't think. Uh, I don't think Okada necessarily. If they have a you know forty minute banger and you know Brian just outworks Okada for the win, I don't think it's necessarily you know Okada right now is in, in the six man unit yeah. in New Japan and Brian's out like in one of the lead programs for yeah, AEW. Yeah, he 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 works the singles half of the BCC. That's more of the boxy things in the trio yeah. now. And so yeah. I think for the singles run, and what, like Rob said, I think Brian probably needs it more. I could um, see it. I think I think I'd probably uh, lean Brian. But obviously, this you, know, is, this you could is, definitely have a Okada come up where Okada wins this one, goes on a crazy G one, and then yeah. you know you never know. This so. this one is is probably one of the closer ones where I could see it going either way. Is it this one's? All, it's not like the first three where you're like. Eh. You know, what's, uh, yeah. you know what's funny about this is I love the fact that we have Josh on this for, for this particular match of all things because I'm in the I'm completely in the middle between both of you guys. I don't think we get a winner. So I love that the fact that one guy went Okada, Brian, you know, one of you guys went Brian, and I'm in the middle because the way I look at this, right, is with I don't think how this working relationship goes, I don't think Okada's taking a pinfall, right? At any particular case here. Um just for the reason, Mike, that you laid out, right, where he goes on a crazy, you know, at the end of the day, New Japan's got one rule. Okada must pose, right? Like, you know, <laughs> we've seen it forever in a day. Um, and for the same thing with Brian, where you're like, okay, I if, if I had to lean one way, I'd say Okada gets the win over Brian just because Okada's the baby face um, in this dream matchup. And if you don't plan on doing it again, you would rather send the fans home happy than not. Um, I could see a way where it's more of a situation of, 
maybe Okada hits a rainmaker on him, and then the BCC comes in, attacks him, right? And then we have a big schmaz. Then you got the young bucks coming out, right? Helping Okada. Something. Maybe this is where we finally see, you know, like Kota Ibushi re-comes back or something, right? Like sends it off into another stratosphere in that feud between the BCC and the elite. Um, I could see something to that effect, especially because we don't have the young bucks yet on this show. We don't have hangman yet on this show. So it's like, okay, are we not, are they not going to be featured? Are they going to be in Kenny's corner? What's the, what's the dealio there? I can see a definite schmaz happening where it's like, Hey, they're going to go 40 minutes. They're going to put on a banger. You're going to feel like, Oh, Brian's got him. Oh, Okada's got him. And in the reality we get uh, a schmaz at the end, which allows somebody or a group to generate some level of heat. I think that's the most important thing here in my logic is whatever happens, it's got to mean something. This is a huge match, right? Like this is something Mike, you mentioned, we, we never thought we'd see this match. So the fact that we get it, this has to be impactful one way or another. Hmm. So, all right. So I took a cop out answer, but I really don't. I really would not be shocked if at the end of this we don't get a winner. And everyone's like, "Son of a bitch!" Yeah, hundred percent. Um, main of well, I'm not gonna say it's main the main event. event. I, 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 I swear to God, if it's not, I'm gonna be pissed. The main event in my mind, and the main event should be in everyone's mind, is this Will Ospreay challenging for the IWGP US title against Kenny Omega, um, in Canada. I think that's a very, um. Additional note that you have to make in it is you don't win in your Canada. hometown. <laughs> yep, you don't win in your hometown. Um, Kenny Omega, Will Ospreay, first one, absolute banger of a match. Yep. Um, and they were holding back apparently, according to Dave Meltzer and people. So we'll see. Uh, we'll start with Josh Poo on this one. What we got, Josh? Okay, well. Because I'm split, so I need someone to to win me over. Oh, you're not you're not gonna be having me win you over because I think it's ending in a draw. I I really time limit draw. Wow, what a ballsy pick! I think you're either seeing, uh, I think it's more more likely you're seeing a third one. Oh, you're getting a third one regardless. Yeah. Well, we're getting a third one regardless, but I think we're getting it in Wembley, and I think you. That's when you pull the trigger on Osprey winning. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is so, so, so you go you go draw here. You 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 Kenny wins the first. They draw in Canada and then and in England, Osprey wins on his home turf. And then you get a fourth one at the next at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, Osprey, 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 keep, Osprey keep going. I was gonna say you run back the Okada Omega yep. storyline. Yeah, yep. this, yeah, exactly. In, instead, mm-hmm. this time you're running Kenny as Okada and Osprey as the wow. young upcomer. Mike, thoughts on that? You know what? That really, you know, you said you were gonna win me over on that. <laughs> that hunters will win me over. I'll, I'll stick with that. I'll, I'll, I was originally gonna go. Um, uh, Kenny wins in Canada, and then Will gets his last shot at. Uh, all in, mm-hmm. like for all the marbles, you do some crazy stipulation thing where, like, he has to leave New Japan or he can never challenge, or you know, mm-hmm. one of those weird stipulations. And mm-hmm. Osprey puts it all out and wins and all, and all in or whatever. But this whole four match thing, though, I didn't even think of four matches. I was thinking of the trilogy, but doing a four match where it's like the inverse of Okada Omega and just doing it with Osprey uh, Omega. Interesting. I'm, I'm going to go time limit draw too. I'll go 60 minutes. And if they main event, I think it's way more likely that they do a yeah. 60 minute. 
yeah. than if it's in the yeah. beginning or middle of the show too. This match for me too, right? And it's funny because you brought that up, and I was I was torn because like I feel like both the Brian Okada match and Omega uh, Osprey um, are all like they're both kind of candidates for that like we're not yeah. going to get a decisive answer here right you know for yep. one reason or another i dig the draw thought right obviously if that were to happen then obviously we're getting a winner some way out of brian and okada which i would assume man okada wins that match um but it, you know I, I dig the draw thought i think it's really cool i think if they don't go that route i think i think uh kenny would retain here um yep. that's where I, I would say too like yeah. if you had if I had to pick one or the other, I would lean Kenny. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think Osprey wins. I guess is the way they can play. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. And here's draw the thing. Right. I and here's the thing. I don't necessarily know if All In is going to be Osprey and Kenny. Right. I think you've got a lot of equity in the yeah, yeah. Elite versus uh, the BCC. I don't necessarily know if that's the way I would go personally with it, but you, you see that still happening, right? So there's a lot of flexibility. There's a lot of unknown in this. Um, and that's why I think this match is so intriguing because, okay, we're getting this again. And the first time it's like, okay, it was, I think everybody was kind of on the same page that Kenny's probably going to take this one here. There's no way they can leave it at one and just be done with it. Right. Um, so I I'm fascinated. I'm going to, I'm just going to say Kenny wins just, just on a, I mean, I think the draw s- sounds amazing. I do worry if they fit, if this is the man, I don't know, Mike, let me ask you this, right? Cause you, you know, you like to read into kind of like how the other format of the show goes, right? If this show match goes on last, I don't necessarily know if that benefits the theory of a draw because I highly doubt you're going to want to go off television, off pay-per-view with two guys laid out in the middle of the ring and you go, I can't believe it. I guess we'll see you next week when you don't get it. You don't have any sort of resolution to end. You're closing the show with no resolution. See, I guess, I guess to me, and I'm, I'm, I could solely be a, a, like an anomaly on this one yeah. is I think I'd be more interested to tune in to see what they like what the real outcome is mm-hmm. on a dynamite on, on Wednesday than it would be if someone just came out and won. Like if, if Kenny won, I'd be like, okay, cool, he beat him again. That's that's right. cool, whatever. Right, right. But if you people laying there and it's like find out what you know what 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 the next point in this feud's gonna be on Wednesday or something, that's mm-hmm. a much more enticing oh, I gotta go tune in to see are are they gonna announce the third one at you know all in right now? Like is that just gonna be like right there's gonna be like they're gonna do the triple H taker. Look Let me ask you this: I'd be like the, the Wednesday after. Hey, we're gonna do it one more time. Do you follow the marbles? Like, let me ask you this: Does it change your thought at all about a time limit drama? I guess I'll, I can ask both of you guys this, right? Um, we saw on Dynamite, Adam Cole, MJF had a fantastic match to open the show on Dynamite, um, but they went to a time limit draw. Does that impact your thinking at all going, okay, you're going to do two time limit draws in a matter of two weeks. Does that do anything to dissuade you or to persuade you that, you know, Tony Khan's not going to care. They'll do whatever the hell they're going to want to do. Um, does that, does that do anything for you at all from a, just the conspiracy theory of, well, they just did one. I can't imagine they're going to do another one this quickly. Yeah. I I would say I didn't think of it because they did one. Yeah. Uh, that's why it wasn't like initially in my mind, but throwing out the four match option and everything, I do think it was a strong possibility that they could do a time limit draw here. Josh? I don't think that. Yeah, I, I don't, that I doesn't sway me that much. I think 
I think the goal here is to continue with the story here of yeah. Kenny Osprey, and the time limit draw is the best option. I think you do it. I, listen, I wouldn't be shocked. The problem is, is that like I, I would not be stunned to see Osprey maybe even cheat to win here, right? Yeah, the win in Canada, then. Yeah. You know, he holds it over Kenny for the next month. Look, dude, yeah, it yeah. hometown. And then you go to Wembley and he beats him again. Right. And you don't even get that Wrestle Kingdom final. You just get, hey, in Wembley, my hometown, I'm done. Right. I beat you. It's that's like the biggest show. The only issue I worry about having an Osprey Omega match at Wembley, as awesome as it would be. And from a card perspective, I get it is I feel like then that's the main event. So then when you go MJF Cole, that's a really hard act to follow. It very much feels like, hey, Rock Hogan. Oh, by the way, then we're going to put Triple H Jericho for the world title out there, right? That is a, oh, I completely get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? That is a tough mountain to climb when you're like, hey, look, hey, we're going to do the third of this trilogy of series of matches where two dudes are going to go beat the living shit out of each other. Oh, and then Cole and MJF are going to go out there and go tell a story. That's going to be really difficult after your hometown kid either wins or loses. Um, yeah. the biggest match of his life. <laughs> Yeah. And you're you're not wrong about that. Only thing I could think of with that is you're doing all out the very next week after all in. So there, I think there's room, yeah, for for some changes. Like I, 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 it would be hard to leave MJ off, MJF off the card. But if you're really worried about that, you put that you put that off to just. No, Waiting till listen. If you're doing all in in Wembley and your main event is not the AW World Championship, no, you did something wrong. No, I completely get it. I'm just saying, like, if that's the main worry, you. you no, no, I'm like, just, I'm just, you know, I'm just trying off. to throw, I'm just trying to throw things in the air just to make you guys. Yeah. Think. Yeah. I think, I think we're back to back. Now, this would be an idea that I don't think you know a lot of people would think of doing. Yeah. But I think it would be fun on a back to back pay per view idea. And I think it would help fix this kind of ideology of the Osprey Omega match happening. Is if you do MJF and Cole, but you do, um, like, a like you do like an Iron Man setting over two over two shows. Well, I think would be a really nice. That'd be interesting. So say yeah. you do you do thirty minutes on All In, and then you yeah. end it thirty minutes at All Out. That's kind of cool. Yeah, and then. You can have that co-main Omega Osprey, but you only gain like the first half of the actual war that they're right. You don't get the result until the next time, so that's why the next time and they can main event all out, and then it's like how it doesn't really devalue it because it's only the first half of the story. Yeah, you can have Flippy at three one or something, and it's like he comes out on Wednesday and goes, "Listen, I just have to survive thirty minutes against you," kind of thing, and then you roll into all out, and it's you know the last thirty minutes main event all out. Mm -hmm. Hey, that's I, think, I think having a split like Iron Man type match on both shows, I think it helps no more actual Iron uh, matches because those are terrible. But I with you, though, I dig it. I, I'm fully behind you. I think, I think, I think like no one's ever yeah. really done it before. And yeah. I think it would be interesting if you had if you do have back to back shows, you're yeah. not going to like you, you don't want to diminish the world title. You're not really diminishing it that way right. because you're just not finishing the match. You're finishing mm -hmm. it, you know, the next week or whatever. Yeah, I could see that for sure. It's a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to the show. You know, this is, you know, out of all these, because it's all dream match kind of related, right? Um, it's always fun. It's kind of like a pick em for a lot of these, right? It's just like you got like a super all star show. It's kind of, yeah. it's very much feels like an all star game vibe, right? Where, you know, you care. 
but you're more interested in like being entertained. There's not a ton of story for most of the stuff going in, but you know, it's going to be one hell of a show. Right. And that's, that's where this show is kind of really cool and kind of unique and stands alone where it's like, they're trying to proceed with other storylines while at the same time, Hey, by the way, we're going to put on this banger ass, you know, joint new Japan show. So looking forward to that for sure. Um, yeah. So, okay, guys, that's going to be it for this week's show. Next week, we're talking collision, obviously, um, any other wrestling news. And, you know, we're probably going to be checking in. We're going to be doing maybe some Lions talk as we kind of get prepped for training camp. Uh, lots of good stuff. We're obviously talking NBA draft, the results of that, and somehow how Troy Weaver entered the room with pick five and left with picks five, 12, 11, and 15 somehow, because that's what happens every year. Um, that's going to be it for this Right, every year. That's going to be it for this week's show, guys. On behalf of the Missing Whale Man, he is the Merc Zone, Mike Merkel. He is Mr. Pound Cake, a.k.a. Jokic Jr., a.k.a. uh, Bigfoot, a.k.a. The Yeti, a.k.a. Tall Skyscraper, a.k.a. Doesn't Have a License, a.k.a. Mr. Mooch. That is Big Josh. Oh, my God. That's going to be it. And, of course, I am the mouth of Michigan, Rob Bendica, and we will see you guys, as always, next time.